The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Lift it up real high and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same again. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so we started a series three weeks ago, but before we do that, I forgot to do this in the first service. I did it at the end of the service. I just want to say thank you so much for celebrating uh, my 40th birthday with me last Sunday. Man, it was such an emotional experience for me, uh, not just to uh, turn 40. At least now all of you know I'm 40 years old. What that means is you should listen to me when I speak. I'm a grown man, Amen. So, so now you can listen to me. I'm a grown man. Amen. But I just want to say thank you so much. The cake, man. Did y'all enjoy the cake and the cupcakes? Man, they were glorious. Straight out of heaven. Amen. Uh, but we, we've been talking about as a man thinks in his heart. Thank you so much for the present as well. Thank you to everyone who contributed. So Proverbs 23 verse 7. We've been talking about as a man thinks in his heart so easy. And we established that you are a representation or, or your, your life experiences are a manifestation of your dominant thoughts. So what dominates you the most will ultimately uh, begin to manifest in your life. Amen. And so if your thoughts are dominated by healing, we talked about that. If you, you dominate your mind with the healing of God's word, uh, you are going to manifest healing in your body and ultimately uh, you will start uh, living in divine health, which is God's absolute, utmost, best uh, for his children. Amen? We talked about prosperity. When you start having a mindset of uh, abundance and prosperity, according to God's word, uh, you're going to start producing that. And it, it, it sets me free so much to know that it is all dependent on the way that I think. Amen? Uh, it's not dependent on the government. That's in... in uh, 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 that, that's in, in, in office. It's not dependent on any of that. It's dependent on how I think. Scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, uh, so is he. And so, that has been our foundational scripture. And uh, Proverbs 27 verse 3, if you're taking down notes, that's been our foundational scripture. And another scripture that goes along with that, that we've used uh, throughout this series, is Romans chapter number 12 verse 2 which says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, uh, but be ye what? Transformed or changed uh, radically uh, by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove. We say that word prove means to manifest. Uh, we say that word prove means to uh, 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 bring it to a realm where you can touch it, where you can experience it. Amen? Uh, God's word, God's promises are not just for the Bible. They are for you to experience in real life. Amen? And so God wants the, that everything that Jesus has already paid for on the cross, everything that pertains to life and godliness, what that means is everything that is consistent with a godly living. 
What God wants to do is he wants all of that to come into manifestation in your life. God has prosperity for you. Uh, God is healing for you. God has a peace that goes beyond uh, our understanding for us. And God wants us to manifest that in our lives. And it tells us in Romans 12 verse 2 how we get to manifest that. It says, do not be conformed uh, to the patterns of this world, but be ye uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good. Someone say good. Uh, acceptable. Someone say acceptable. And perfect. Someone say perfect. So God wants us to manifest these three, good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, that God's will is always, someone say always, not sometimes, God's will is always good. Amen? In other words, God is good all the time is not a motto, it's not just a slogan, it's a reality. How many of you know that God is good and he's good all the time? And once you say God is good and that is good all the time, you can't turn around and say he's the one that brings sickness uh, onto people to try and teach them uh, a lesson or to try and get their attention. Amen? I said amen. amen. So God's will for our lives is good, it is acceptable, and it is also uh, perfect. Amen? So this is God's will uh, uh, for us. It's, it's, it's all these three and uh, so we know right off the bat that uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, is not a part of God's will for your life. Amen? I said amen. Uh, what's a part of, go of, of, of God's will for your life is what's good and what's acceptable and what's perfect. But back to Exhibit A, uh, Romans 12 verse 2 tells us that we should be transformed and that word transformation in the English language, if you look in the dictionary, is uh, synonyms, uh, uh, words like uh, uh, change. Uh, but that word change in itself is limited and it doesn't give the full expression of what the Apostle Paul is trying to communicate. When the Apostle Paul says, uh, be transformed, that word in the Greek is the Greek word metamorpho, where we get the English word metamorphosis. And it's talking about a radical change of form. Amen? And the analogy we usually use for that is when a caterpillar is transformed into a butterfly. It's a radical change of form. It's not just you driving down uh, William Nicole and changing lanes. Amen? We're talking about a radical change of form. We're talking about uh, a creature that was in the dirt, crawling in the dirt, eating in the dirt, leaving the law down, dirt life, to a beautiful, colorful creature uh, 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 that eats off of flower petals. We're talking about a caterpillar, a creature that was blind in nature. They say caterpillars are blind, they don't see. To a creature that is uh, uh, ultra vision, uh, which is a thousand times better than that of human beings. That's a butterfly. How did that happen? Uh, it happened through this process of transformation. And now the Bible promises every single child of God that this radical transformation or change of form is available for all of us. To where your life can be so transformed by God's word and by changing the way you think, to where your new life 
will not even have traces of your old life. I tried to convince uh, my daughter that, you know, the caterpillar, you, the butterfly used to be a caterpillar, and she thought I was lying. She thought I was, you know, out of my mind. She says there is no way, because when she looked at the butterfly, she didn't even see traces of a caterpillar. And there's a transformation that's available for God's children that after it's finished taking its full effect, your new life will look nothing like your old life. There won't be any traces of your past life in your transformed life. People will swear you were never poor before. People will swear you never got kicked out when the rent was due and you didn't have the money. People will swear you never went through a divorce after God is finished transforming you into your new life. Amen? And I like to call that the butterfly life. The transformed life. Amen? It's the good life. Someone say good life. If you're watching on the internet, type good life. It's the LG. The life's good. And that's what Jesus came to die for. It is so that we can have the good, peaceful life. Amen? The good provided for life. The good, nothing missing, nothing broken life. The good, healthy life. Divine health. Amen? The good, acceptable, and perfect life. That's the will of God uh, for all of his children. And so sometimes when the uh, caterpillar is moving, is going through the process of transformation, the caterpillar is going through the process of transformation, uh, sometimes this is what happens. You know, we're talking about uh, the caterpillar, right? Caterpillar. Is that the right spelling uh, to use? The butterfly. So, while the caterpillar is moving through the process of transformation, uh, sometimes what tends to happen is, uh, in fact, all the times, not sometimes, he spins the cocoon. That's the first thing he does. He spins the cocoon, and sometimes he spends time into uh, this cocoon for up to eight months. And just sitting and doing nothing uh, in the cocoon. So, to you and to the ordinary eye, the, butterfly, the caterpillar is doing nothing. It's just sitting in the cocoon. But guess what? Uh, uh, in the process and in the order of natural things and how God ordained it to be, there's a change. There's something going on on the inside of that caterpillar. Such that when it emerges from the cocoon, it's now a different creature. It's a butterfly. Amen? And I like to call this process of spinning the cocoon uh, meditation. Someone say meditation. It can be a controversial word amongst Christians because they don't take time out to read their Bible. Amen? And sometimes it can be controversial amongst the Pentecostal charismatic Christians because we feel like meditation doesn't accomplish much. When you tell a charismatic Pentecostal Christian that the Bible says you must meditate, they think you are trying to cheat them out of the promises of God because instead of meditating, they would rather be binding and loosing and shandama hekere and picking up chairs and feel like, man, I'm doing something. But how many of you know that the children of Israel were quiet for six days and only shouted uh, for a moment on the seventh day? And the walls came down. Because they were shouting from the depth of their meditation. Because deep call it unto deep. Amen? 
So there's no point just kind of shouting when you haven't fully meditated on what you're shouting. Remember, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth that which is evil. And from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you're meditating, you are bringing into abundance the word of God into your heart. Amen? You need an abundance of the word uh, into your heart. And when you do, you've automated your mouth to speak what is from God's word. And so this is why meditation, Christian meditation, is different from uh, 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 yoga. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about Eastern transcendental meditation. That's not what we're talking about. Eastern transcendental meditation uh, seeks to empty your mind to get to a place of euphoria. Christian meditation, on the other hand, seeks to fill up your mind with the good stuff to get to that same place of producing the promises of God. So we're not talking about yoga. <laughs> Hallelujah, praise the Lord. We're talking about Christian meditation. We're talking about the original. See, yoga and them, that, those are counterfeit. We're talking about the original Dan Gagan. Anybody ever heard that? The original one is Christian meditation. You start to fill your head, your heart, with God's word, with the glad tidings. That's called meditation. And we're going to show you before it's over with today how to practically practice meditation uh, as a believer, as a child of God. Amen? And so we have a story in the New Testament. Uh, two girls invited uh, Jesus to their home, uh, Martha and Mary. You remember the story? And it says uh, Martha was... Uh, busy running around and cooking in the kitchen, and Mary was just sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to the word. And at some point, uh, Martha felt like she was accomplishing more because she's doing. And Christians who believe in works feel like they're accomplishing more. You know, you try to tell them, sit down, chill, puppy, just meditate. They don't want to hear that. Amen. They don't want to hear that. They want to, you know, accomplish. And they always uh, compare themselves. You know you're in works when the spirit of comparison is in your heart. They always want to compare themselves. So Mary was saying, oh, but look at Martha. I'm doing the most here. Yeah, Martha is just sitting and doing nothing. And that's what they do. When you're caught up in the works realm, you're always comparing. How long do you pray? And then they say 10 minutes. And you say, ah, me, I do 12. Say, how much of the Bible do you read? They say, uh, you know, I read one chapter. They say, I'm here, I do two chapters. You're always comparing. And you know the spirit of works is in your heart. Amen? I said amen. So Mary went to Jesus and complained. She said, but, you know, uh, Jesus, don't you care? I mean, look, uh, uh, Mary is just sitting at your feet doing nothing, and I'm running around doing all this work. What's up with that? And, 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 and Jesus actually rebuked her for doing that's an interesting verse. He rebuked her for running around and just, you know, being careful for too much and worrying about stuff. He says marriage actually chose the better part, the good part. And that part will not be taken away from her. What's that part? It's the part where we sit under the word of God. It is the part where we sit under the, the word of Jesus and let that word transform us. It's called spending time in the cocoon, but it's also called meditation. Amen. Let's go quickly to the book of Joshua, chapter number 1. Joshua, chapter number 1. We're going to read from verse 8. We're going to look at very two, two very intriguing stories 
uh, of two guys who are getting ready to step into an impossible situation uh, uh, in leadership. So we have uh, Joshua on the other hand, and we have Timothy on the other hand. And so uh, Joshua uh, is getting ready to take over leadership from Moses, the miracle man. Now, I want you to just put, in, put yourself in the shoes of uh, uh, Joshua. Joshua is taking over leadership from the miracle man himself. He's taking over leadership from a guy who the one time when he was talking to Pharaoh and uh, he threw his, uh, 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 he was talking to Pharaoh about miracles and the miracle working God. And Pharaoh said, let me show you something. So Pharaoh called him in and he uh, called his magicians and the magicians came and they threw their rod down and their walking stick, their rods turned into snakes. And then Moses said, oh no, that's nothing. So he threw his one down and his one turned into a snake and it ate up all the other snakes. And now you are taking over leadership from that guy. You're taking the corner office and all the people are saying, okay, let's see what you can do. Are you going to top that? How are you going to top that? The one guy, this same guy, uh, they go to the Red Sea and the Egyptian army was coming from behind them and he struck the water, uh, parted the Red Sea and everybody walked on uh, a dry, dry ground, dry land in between the, the, the Red Sea. Can you imagine? I mean, just waters, just, just there's a wall of water. And it's just going backwards. It's just, it just stops right there and there's a path for you to walk. And you can see all the fish. And you're walking on dry ground. I mean, you're taking selfies. You're just doing your thing. You just, yeah. You post hashtag walking on dry ground. <laughs> because of Moses. I mean, some people are putting hashtag the leader. And now Joshua has taken over leadership from that guy. The one time he prayed and food started raining from heaven and fed the entire nation through his prayer. I mean, there's pressure on Joshua to take over leadership from this guy. And God gave him what I like to call uh, the formula to success in life. God said to him, if you're going to match what Moses did and even top that, here's what you're going to do. And we're getting ready to read that. And on the flip side, uh, in the New Testament, uh, we have uh, Timothy. He's taking over leadership from Paul. He's taking over leadership from the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Taking over leadership from a guy uh, who had uh, 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 come to Ephesus, preached to many, converted many, got many signs, uh, miracles, and wonders. Uh, under his ministry, the church grew to 50,000, and he... Uh, uh, called Timothy to take over pastoring that church. How do you pastor that church? And what's interesting is that God gave advice to both these two guys, which is interestingly and strikingly similar. The same advice. You know why? Because the things of God have been the same from day one until today. There is nothing new under the sun. In fact, you should run. Whenever you hear there's a new religion that has discovered something new, you should run as far as you can from that. Amen? The walk ones. You know, the new age, when they came, they started teaching people meditation. And what's interesting is that everybody thought it was something new on the market. Man, God has been talking about meditation all the way from the beginning of time. The church had just thrown away the baby with the dirty bath water because they didn't know how to navigate the principle of meditation. Meditation is everywhere in the Bible. In the Old and in the New Testament. Because that's how God designed you and I to function in the earth. He wants us to meditate on the good things. Because whether you like it or not, you are a master meditator. 
You're either meditating on the problems or you're meditating on the solution. Worry is a form of meditation. So when you're worrying, you're just practicing meditation. So you may reject what I'm saying this morning. You know, I went to that church and they were talking about meditation. I don't want anything about it. The day you start worrying, yeah, you have already joined what I'm teaching this morning. You're meditating. Amen? I said amen. And so God comes to Joshua and his advice to Joshua was this. Uh, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, doubt or you, that's what the word thou means, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. If you're reading it in the New King James Bible, it says, and you shall make your way prosperous. Amen? I said amen. amen. Then you shall have good success. But it starts over there where he says, you shall meditate in this book of the law. And how long should you meditate in it? Day and night. If you are watching online, just type uh, uh, day and night what it is in your own language. Amen? In my language, it's you must do it all the time. That's what he wants you to do. When it comes to meditation, he wants, you, he wants you to make it a lifestyle to where you're constantly meditating on God's word. Can I get an amen? amen. And so over there in the New Testament, 1 Timothy 4.15, uh, he says to Timothy, as you're taking over leadership from Paul, this is what you should do. Meditate. That's the first word. 1 Timothy 4.15. First word is meditate upon these things. What things? Upon the things I've told you, upon the word of God. He says, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. So to meditate is to give yourself wholly to something. That's the definition of meditation. It is to give yourself wholly to something. And what's interesting about giving yourself to something is that whatever you give yourself to gives itself back to you. So if you give yourself to healing and meditating on healing, healing will give itself back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Amen? When you meditate on prosperity, prosperity will give itself back to you. And I say something in my book, Living Life to the Fullest, that kind of meditation makes the person of meditation and the object of meditation come into one, literally. When you start meditating on something, you become it. Amen? You could be sitting in a mansion. If you start meditating on poverty, how many of you know that there is a thing called a, a poor millionaire? Amen? Uh, when you start meditating on COVID-19. <laughs> How many of you know that you can become a candidate, a healthy candidate? In fact, let me put it that way. A healthy candidate. You'll be walking around fearful as if you've got it. You'll be walking around. You can't do certain things as if you've got it. You've just become a candidate. You've become it. 
Whatever you meditate on, you become. You know, there are certain people who won't go on holiday. This is the best time to go on holiday. I'm buying things for 10%. Just the other day, we went to a massage. A massage, we usually pay a lot of money. We paid a few hundred rand. Man, I mean, they, I'm like, I'm a massage here. Is that an extra 10 rand? They said, yes. I said, do it. Is that an extra five rand? I said, yeah, do it. Just do it, you know. It's my turn to shine. <laughs> I said, Michael Jackson shopped without looking at the price. That's what I was doing at the massage parlor. <laughs> Give me any massage. You know why? Because it's the right time to shop. <laughs> and everybody else is scared. But when you start meditating on good things, you start meditating on healing. Man, you start to see healing everywhere you go. Uh, not only will your body get healed, you start to see others he getting healed as well. You start meditating on prosperity. That's exactly what begins to happen to you. You could be riding in a taxi right now. When you start meditating on prosperity long enough, it will literally change your thoughts. It will change your interactions. It will change people that begin to come along your path. It will change the things that begin to happen to you because you are what you think. As a man thinks in his heart, uh, so is he. But what's interesting is that through the two scriptures that we have read about meditation, uh, the, 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 the produce or the, the results, the fruit of meditating that we see in both scriptures was number one. Uh, you shall meditate in this, the book of the law uh, uh, day and night and you shall make your way prosperous. So prosperity is the first thing we see as a fruit uh, that comes out of meditation. And the second thing we see is that uh, so shall you make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. It's interesting uh, that he didn't just say success. He said good success. Because there is a difference between just success and good success. Amen. According to the world standards, just having money uh, means you're successful. But how many of you know that uh, it's not good success if uh, you have a mansion uh, uh, with uh, seven uh, bedrooms and all of them have uh, and suite bathrooms and uh, outside your mansion you have uh, seven cars parked, uh, one for each uh, uh, of the day of the week and uh, all of them are different colors uh, of the rainbow. Uh, but meanwhile, back at the ranch, the missus is making out with the gardener. It's a little crude, right? <laughs> Terrible success. Amen? Oh, yeah, you got that mansion. You got uh, 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 all those cars. Uh, you got a big bank balance in your account. Uh, but you're, you're, you've, you can't keep a good meal down from ulcers that have developed over the years uh, from worrying about losing that stuff. Or, better yet, worrying about the people around you because you just don't know whether they're there for the money. Or they are there because they like you. So you're always suspicious about people around you. What did he do? Where is he? Where is that? It's not good success. It's, bad. it's success, but it's just not good success. Amen? So there's a difference between success and good success. When you meditate, you produce what scripture calls good success. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord makes rich and it adds no sorrow with it. There's no sorrow with it. There's a peace that comes uh, with that. Can I get an amen? And the third thing we see uh, in the book of 1 Timothy 4.15 is profit. 
So, man, it's interesting that the word meditate in Scripture is always going to produce good fruit, prosperity, good success, and profit. And it says your profiting shall appear to all. Man, when you start meditating on God's word, you won't need to try and convince anybody that you are blessed. Remember, it says your profiting will appear to how many? To all. all you just do is just show up and people will be like, oh, there they go. There's something going on there. There they go. Yeah, there. But it will appear to all. Amen? I said amen. amen. That's the God kind of uh, prosperity that's available for his children. So we're going to show you three, uh, possibly four, uh, uh, three actually, that's what I've written down here, practical ways uh, to meditate, to start practicing uh, this, this thing called meditation. Uh, if you go back to uh, Joshua chapter number one, verse eight, it says you shall meditate therein uh, day and night. That word meditate also means to ponder, okay? That's what the word meditation means. It means to ponder. It means to uh, consistently uh, think about something. To say, uh, chewing the cud, that's what it is. Yeah, I was going to talk about that. In fact, a cow is a ruminant, and what it does is that when it goes into graze during the day, uh, the stuff that he eats, he puts it in the first and the second stomach. And what's interesting is that he never draws any nutrients from the stuff he puts in the first and the second stomach. Not until he gets home and he throws it up and he eats it again. Someone say gross. And he starts chewing the card. And when he chews the card, he now throws it into the third and the fourth stomach. And it is the stuff that goes to the third and the fourth stomach that he begins to draw nutrients on. It is, the, it is the word of God that you throw into the third and the fourth stomach of your heart that you can start to draw value from. Man, it's a sad day. It will be the saddest day of your life. Uh, the day that you think you know there is everything there is to know about a particular Bible verse. Because that can't be true. The word of God is pregnant with facets of revelation. And the more you meditate on it, the more you draw uh, the value out of it. So God wants us to ponder. He wants us to consistently and constantly think about God's word as opposed to worry. Pondering can go either way. It can go the worry route. You're pondering, or it can go the word of God. God wants it to go uh, to the word root. Amen? To where you're consistently and constantly thinking about God's word. But Pastor T, what if I work a job? What if I crunch numbers at work? I have to write code. How can I meditate on God's word day and night? Your sermon is great, but is it practical? Well, I have a question for you. When that woman, that man, dumped you many, many years ago, how many times in a day did you think about it? Someone's like, ah, well, I thought about it all the time. Did you take it with you to work? Oh, yeah. <laughs> did it wake you up at night? Oh, yeah. What, what that is, is just a revelation to you and me that we have the ability to think about something all the time. The reason why we thought about it all the time is one word.
you perceived yourself to have lost something that was of value, and because of that, you kept thinking about it all the time. If it was someone you are getting ready to dump, and then they dumped you, you would have said, good riddance. Moving right along. Amen? I said amen. The reason you thought about it a lot was because you perceived uh, 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 to have lost the entire situation to you. Look like, man, you know what? I think I've lost something of value. And now, when you start looking at God's word as something of value. Amen? When you start looking at God's word the way David looked at it, he said, your word is more precious to me than fine gold. Yay, sweeter than honey. Job said, I cherish, I esteem your words more than my necessary food. When you start to look at God's word that way, you start pondering God's word, meditating on God's word. Watch this all the time. It won't be such a hard thing to do. You know why? Because you, you perceive God's word to be something of value. Can I get an amen? And so we need to think about God's word. We need to play it to ourselves, excuse me, over and over again. That's why scripture says in Psalm 62 verse 11, once you spoke, twice I heard it. Now I had a question around that. God, you spoke once, but the psalmist says he heard it twice. How did he hear it twice when you spoke it once? He heard it twice because he kept playing it to himself over and over again. Amen? He said, once you spoke, twice I heard it. God may have given you a word once, but you can hear it twice, thrice, four times, five times, ten times, a hundred times, when you keep playing it to yourself over and over again. It's called pondering God's word. Practically, you're pondering God's word. You're thinking about God's word all the time. Amen? And I was sharing in the first service how I do it practically, and I'm just going to use this, I call it the Tafara method, okay? So don't try to turn this into a doctrine. It is not. It's just the way I like to do it, and it works for me. What I do is I look at a scripture, and I elevate or I, I amplify and magnify one word at a time and read it over and over again. So it could be Third John 1 verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. So the way I read it is I start with the first word and amplify it. Beloved. I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So the revelation I get from that is uh, I'm the beloved. And the second time I read it is, uh, beloved, I will or I wish. And I say, oh, yeah, what the revelation I get from that is that not only am I beloved, it is God's wish and God's will for me. Amen? That's God's birthday wish for you. It is for me to, to prosper. And then the third time I read it, beloved, I wish above all things. So I amplify that phrase, above all things, that you may prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. The third time we're moving right along. Can you see? I'm amplifying each section of that verse. And I'm doing it in my head. I could be at the mall 
uh, uh, buying some groceries, uh, buying some, some, some bread or doing whatever, and I'm amplifying these words, and I'm walking around buying stuff, and I'm just reading into my mind, beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper. Prosper. That's the word. Prosper. What does that mean, prosper? And sometimes I get into my car and I look it up. What does that mean, prosper? It just stood out for me, and God begins to minister to me that way. The last time I read it, beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Amen? And so I'm amplifying every single uh, one of those words. It's just the way I, it works for me. And if you try it and if it works for you, you can have it. Amen. I'll send the invoice later. <coughs> the second thing you can do uh, to practically meditate is to matter. Amen. It is to matter. And to matter simply means to speak under your breath. That's why scripture says in Joshua 1 verse 8, it says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You know, the best sermon you should believe is the sermon that you preach to yourself. Amen. I was telling someone uh, uh, who was asking me, uh, why did you feel uh, it was important for the church to open, to go back to reopening uh, right on the very first same a week that you were given the right to do so. And I said, because I'm the, big, the best, the biggest uh, customer of what I preach. Amen. I'm the number one. You know, when I preach, I'm the very first one at the line buying my sermons. I'm not just preaching at you. Amen? I'm preaching to me too, and I like to walk the things that I preach. In fact, right at the beginning of our ministry, I made a personal standard it doesn't mean that the things that I don't preach are not true, but I made a personal standard that the only things I really want to be free to preach are the things that I've already walked in, and I know they work. It doesn't mean that if I don't, you know, uh, if I haven't walked in it, it's not true. I just made it a personal standard. Amen? And the best sermon you should ever buy is the sermon you preach to yourself. In fact, the best sermon you will ever buy is the sermon you preach to yourself. That's why what you matter under your breath is very important. Some people matter. Ah, we are going down. Yo, we are going down. Yo, yo, yo. Yo. <laughs> That's what they're muttering, right? Some people walk around in the mall muttering. Oh, it's expensive. Oh, it's expensive. Oh, it's expensive. And that's what they're muttering. They're actually meditating. Man, you need to start muttering something else that's different. You need to start muttering God's word. You need to put God's word into your mouth. Amen? I said amen. Because the power of death and life is in your tongue. And when you start muttering God's word, I'm telling you, God's word uh, uh, begins to come to pass. Amen? And the third way you can meditate is uh, you can use your imagination. We talked about uh, this in, in, in detail uh, two weeks ago, so you can uh, definitely go and look at that. Uh, I'm running out of time, so I'm not going to get into that. So if you want to check out this teaching on imagination, you can go to the teaching. We talked about the power of imagination in detail. But you can begin to let God's word Paint new pictures on the canvas of your imagination. Amen? And in fact, before I forget, when we're talking about pondering, another example we could use is 
uh, what they do to milk to get the good stuff. What's the good stuff in milk? It's the butter. How do you get butter from milk? You get butter from milk by beating it up over and over again. And that's how you get the good stuff from God's word. You stay on that same mountain and you draw the life and the value out of it. Amen? Amen. <coughs> and so let's go quickly to Psalms 1 as we close. Psalms 1, and I'm going to read from verse uh, 1 to 3. Psalms 1 from verse 1 uh, to 3. It says, blessed is the man. So the subject of the uh, matter here is a blessed man. Someone shout, I'm the blessed man. Or oh, I'm the blessed woman. Uh, uh, this is the subject matter. He said, blessed is the man or the woman that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So that's what he doesn't do. The blessed man doesn't do those things. But he tells us what the blessed man does. And that's what I want to measure on. He says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. So they get excited about God's word and God's promises. Amen? His delight, his excitement is in God's word. Our excitement should be in God's word. It should be founded in the promises of God, which are yes, and so be it. Yes and amen. Amen? Knowing that Jesus has already guaranteed every single one of them. How many of you know that the promises that Jesus gave us, he's already fully guaranteed every single one of them, paid for them in full. All you are getting when you're reading God's word is a coupon that you can use to claim the price of what Jesus paid for at the cross. Amen? You know, people say the Bible is the best manual. It makes it feel like it's the best manual to instruct you on how to buy the, the goods. No, the, buy is the, the Bible is the best promise book. It's the best coupon book. So if I gave you a coupon uh, to go to uh, the Nike store to buy as many Air Jordans as you want, how many of you would say that's such a hard task? <laughs> Hallelujah. No, it's not. You know why? Because it's just a coupon. The promises of God are just coupons because Jesus already paid for it at the cross. See, a lot of people are trying to take the coupon and their own money with it. And that's why the shopkeeper is confused and is giving you nothing. Like, which one is it going to be? And most people say, actually, it's going to be my own money. And they take away the coupon. And then he says, ah, manje, your money is short. How many of you know that in your own strength, you can't produce the promises of God? It is what Jesus already did on the cross. All you are doing is just meditating on what Jesus has already paid for. Man, that's the good news. Amen? That's all you're going to claim by faith. It's what Jesus has already uh, paid for. Amen? So he says, yeah, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. That's what he does not do. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. He doesn't do that. Nor sit in the seat of the scornful. He doesn't do that. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law. That word law, you can uh, replace it for the word of God. So you could read it this way, but his delight is in the word of the Lord. And in his word does he meditate, how long? Day and night. Dag and nag. Amen. Day and night is meditating in it. 
And watch what happens when he does that. And ye shall be like a tree planted in the desert. No, he didn't say that. <clears throat> Where there is no water. No, he says he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. In other words, this man shall transition himself from a desert situation to where you are now planted in a place where there is uh, rivers of water. And rivers of water speaks of opportunities. There's just opportunities everywhere to grow. You could be in the same country. When you start meditating, you could literally transition. In the same desert country, you could literally transition to where it's now, you know, there's so much water here flowing. There's opportunity to grow. And he says, ye shall be uh, 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 like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That brings forth fruit. You start just producing fruit. It will be a consequence of meditating in God's word. His leaves also shall not wither. And whatsoever, someone say whatsoever. Whatsoever he doeth shall what? Here's another fruit for meditation, prosperity. Everywhere you see the word, here's a challenge. You can go and look it up. Everywhere you see the word meditation, you're going to see increase. You're going to see success. You're going to see profit. And so while we bind and loose, which is great, while we pray in tongues, which is awesome, we also should be taking time out to meditating in God's word. Amen? Don't get so busy and don't be so obsessed. I was saying in the first service, don't be so obsessed with keeping up with the, with the Bible reading program that you just go through it without meditating in it. You could be reading uh, in the book of Psalms, and every now and again when you read in the book of Psalms, you're going to see this word. What this word means is stop! And ponder on what you just read. But a lot of people will be reading and then they just get to this word and say a lie and they continue. They just read the next thing. Just read the next thing. You know why? Because I have a Bible program to keep up with. I need to read it again this year. Man, you're missing out on the good stuff. Amen? When the Bible says Sila, he's saying stop. Now ponder on what you just read. You know why? Because he wants you to draw all the value that is in that word. Did that we hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.